Ephesians chapter 6, starting again with verse number 1, the Bible says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Heavenly Father, once again we thank you for allowing us to be in your house tonight. Lord, as we come before you, I pray, dear God, that you would allow these words to find a lodging place in our hearts. I pray that you would challenge each and every one of us to be better parents and and, uh, those that are grandparents, Lord God, that we would strive to be more like you, that we'd be that example that would uh, shine a light of the glory of God into the lives of our children and grandchildren. Father, I pray that you'd uh, again meet with us and help us to ever be conscious and mindful of the impact that we have on others, Lord. I pray that you would uh, use us, Lord God, to go out and to be that example that would see souls saved and lives brought in and changed for the glory of God. Father, I just pray you'd be with our church tonight, Lord God. Hinder all the work of the devil. Give us that, uh, that Holy Spirit free reign in our hearts tonight, Lord God, and help us as we can do nothing without you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Starting this chapter, Ephesians 6 here, we are looking again at Paul's attitude towards devoted labor. He is talking about a labor throughout this chapter. In the first three, uh, first four verses, he deals with that of, of children and parents. And, and uh, the verses down through verse number 9, he deals with servants uh, to their masters. In the remainder of the chapter, he talks about putting on the whole armor of God and being good soldiers for Jesus Christ. But it is amazing that with Paul's attitude towards labor, when he is talking about our work as Christians, when he is talking about the devotion that it takes to be uh, that Christian that we're supposed to be, that labor that we're supposed to pour into it, he starts first and foremost with the family. He starts that, that, that labor no matter what we do, friends. He does not say make sure you have every office in the church. He doesn't say make sure you have every ministry outside of your home. He talks about first and foremost that labor starting in the family there. And as I said this morning, as we looked at this morning, before we can ever expect to have that right relationship between parent and child, there is a prerequisite that takes place in God's Word found in Ephesians 5 there, and that is the right relationship that takes place between husband and wife there. In order for our children to be able to see Christ the way that we are supposed to show them, and for us to be that example that they need to see there, they have to first see a love and a biblical model between mom and dad, then they have to know that we are living uh, that which we are trying to instruct unto them. That is the prerequisite before we can ever expect to impact them, before we can ever expect to influence our children. There has to first be that love between husband and wife there. That has to be that that relationship that is that bond there. That is the way that God has has ordained that and set that thing up. And it is absolutely crucial when it comes to the home there that that right relationship, men being the spiritual leaders of their household as God has called them to be, again, not sending their kids to church there, not allowing mom to take the place uh, of taking them to the house of God while dad sits and watches the ball game, not allowing uh, mom to take the place of prayer, uh, leadership in prayer in the home and Bible study in the home. That's dad's place there. And friends, understand men especially, uh, those of us who have children, we will stand before a holy God and we'll give an account for how we've led our family there. That ought to be something that's very humbling to us. When we think about women and the, the, the great place of respect 
that this Bible has there that God puts on it and the Apostle Paul talks about uh, for women there again is that uh, they're, they're uh, compared to that Holy Spirit there, that comforter, that one that unites the family there. How uh, important it is for that woman to be that helpmate, to be by the side of her husband, to be there encouraging. How important it is for that husband to have that sacrificial love that he's willing to lay down his life for his family there and, and to protect his wife and respect his wife. Friends, when that is in order... When that's in order, that the result that it has, the encouragement that it has on our children uh, will be so much more than any words we could ever speak to them. Uh, those of us who have daughters, if you want uh, your daughter to know how a man is supposed to treat her, then treat your wife that way. Make sure she sees her mama treated that way. Friends, when we think about young men, those of us who have sons and, and grandsons, if you want them to grow up and to be somebody honorable, somebody that's respectful, somebody that will uh, treat a, a woman right there, make sure they see that example in us, it starts with that. Before we can ever expect them to obey us. Before we can ever expect them to want what we have as Christians. They have to see us live that thing out. Amen. Friends, not only the prerequisite that we talk about for submission, but I want you to notice secondly tonight, we see the precaution in that submission there. There is a command that is given. This is an exhortation. This is an instruction. This is a development that is given there. Uh, we see there first again that, that command that is given there. It says, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right there. This is the fifth commandment that is given to Moses. It is the only one of the commandments out of the ten that has a, a, a reward attached to it there. He said, so that uh, thy life may be long, thy days may be long upon the earth there. It's the only one out of the ten commandments that has a reward uh, that is attached to it. And it shows the great place of prominence, uh, of, of respect in the family there. Friends, in the Old Testament, a rebellious child literally could be punished by death. That was something that was, uh, it was not just something that was uh, um, suggested, it was something that was commanded. Children, uh, when they rebelled against their parents, literally by law could be taken out and stoned, and that was seen as culturally acceptable. Uh, that was seen as stopping the rebellion that took place there. It was a great place of prominence there. Friends, when we think about, uh, the, when we think about the, the prodigal son, when he returned there, and that father ran out to meet him, that wasn't just to show him love. That wasn't just to show him mercy. That was to protect his son under law. Under, under Jewish law, the disrespect that was shown to that father when that son said, give me my inheritance, what he was saying is, Dad, you're as good as dead to me. Give me the money that is owed to me. When that, by that law there, he could have, when he came back into town there, they could have stoned him uh, for disrespecting his dad that way and breaking that family. He ran out. That father ran out and literally protected that son. Friends, obedience when it came to Jewish law, there was something of the utmost importance and the utmost respect there. The Word obey uh, that's being talked about here. It means to submit to. It means to, to uh, comply with there. Now, in Scripture, there's two types of obedience that's talked about. There's a forceful obedience that we see there is displayed many ways. Uh, Matthew 8 and verse number 27, He rebuked the winds and the sea, and they obeyed Him. It was a forceful command that Jesus gave there. In Mark 1 and verse number 27, for with authority He commandeth and even the, the unclean spirits and they do obey Him there. That was a forceful obedience there. That was God forcing it. But when it talks about obedience towards man there, that is always a free will that God gives. He talks about the fact there, uh, this, this obedience is talked about in verse number 1. It is a glad and ready willingness to serve. It is a humility, it is a desire. We think about uh, the, the very mindset that Christ had. 
that we read about in Luke chapter number 2 and verse number 51 when he is talking about Jesus in his early years there. It said, And he went down with them, his parents, and came to Nazareth, and he was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these things and sayings in her heart. It says he was subject unto them. It means he was obedient to their instruction. He was willing to serve. He was willing to follow them and to be obedient there. It was a reading willingness. Friends, that's the type of obedience that God desires not only from children to their parents, but from us to Him. That is a willingness that says, God, we love you, and we're doing this not because we're forced to, but because we want to please you tonight. First uh, Samuel 15 and verse number 22, where Samuel said, Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken uh, than the fat of rams there. That type of obedience... When we talk about, we use that verse, we say, God loveth a cheerful giver. That doesn't just mean the offering plate. That's not just talked about our tithes and our offerings there. That cheerful giver is those that give that submissiveness, that obedience to follow the, uh, God's will there, to follow the Father's will for our life. Those that are joyful in saying, Lord, not my will, but thine be done there. That's what he's talking about when he's talking about that level of obedience tonight. Something that is not forced but something that is, is readily and willingly given there. Somebody that wants to serve the Lord there. Friends, when we look at disobedience tonight, and we look at the sin of disobedience, uh, I want to point out to you two very prominent sections of Scripture there. In Romans 1, 28 and 29 there, it says, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, dis- uh, despiteful, proud boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents." That is talking about in context there. That is Paul giving the, the background of the heart and the mind of those before uh, the judgment of the flood came in. In the book of Genesis chapter 6, it tells us that the thought and uh, imagination of their heart was only wicked continually. The word imagination, it means every desire they had, every intention they had, every thought they had was only to wicked uh, wickedness. Uh, that, that describes the godless paganism uh, of the previous times, of past times. When we look at 2 Timothy 3, and we read 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 and 2. It says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. The word perilous means dangerous. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. God looks at that disobedience. And he sees that as such a reproach there that not only did it describe the paganistic, godless times of the past there before the flood, but it also describes the dangerous times uh, predicted in the last days there, the perilous times. Friends, we are, we are uh, very rapidly moving toward that, that section there. There are more children that run their homes than there are parents anymore. There are more children uh, that will stand up and will cuss their mom and dad and will uh, disrespect them and they'll demand those things. Friends, that's that's our fault there. That's our fault. When you look at anybody who says, oh preacher, my child's never done anything that needs discipline. Friends, you need to be smacked around. Every child needs to be disciplined. Every child needs to be corrected. None of us are perfect. That, the Bible says, either without chastisement, ye are bastards and not sons. If God chastens those He loves, every one of us He loves, how much more so should we, as earthly parents, chastise our children not to hurt them? Never to hurt them, but to correct them. As I said, no parent, no, no, no man that would not lay down their life for their family. 
is worth their weight in salt. No man is... Uh, uh, the Bible says you're worse than an infidel if you don't provide for your family. Right. But, but the man that does not correct their children, the man that does not discipline their children, friends, the Bible is very clear, says he hateth his son. Those are strong words. When God says you hate the child that you don't discipline. Friends, no parent enjoys having to, to get on to their child. No, that's not fun for a parent to do. But it's necessary. And I, again, I've spoken with many, uh, many elderly Christians that I've never had one of them say, you know what, I wish my daddy didn't correct me as much. They appreciate the fact that they took the time to invest that in them. Now, again, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not talking about abuse. That's, that's completely different here. Talking about correction, done in love, done with a desire to develop our children. Every one of our children need that correction. Friends, have you ever seen a spoiled child? Nobody likes that kid. Let's just be honest. You ever seen what happens when a spoiled child grows up to be an adult? Everybody hates that person. Nobody wants to be around the one. Friends, it's sad we are in a society today that we are so scared to tell somebody no. We're so scared to discipline somebody. And it's, it's so sad to see how homes are being torn down and run rampant there. Friends, a, a child standing up and rebelling and cussing their parents. Could you imagine, uh, those of you who are uh, elderly folks, I say that with the utmost respect, could you imagine if you would have cussed your parents? It would not have worked out well for you. Amen. Amen. I mean, that's, I mean that, that's common sense there, friends, but we've come to the place. Uh, I remember seeing, the, uh, uh, seeing a, a special there that was... Uh, and, and God, I, I hope it was made up. I hope it was added unto for, uh, for entertainment's sake. But there was a young child. He couldn't have been more than seven, eight years old. And he was on one side of the couch there. The dad and the mom were on the other side. And boy, he was just cussing their dad and mom. And, and, and they acted like they were scared of that child. They wouldn't do a thing about it. Friends, I'm telling you, I love my kids. But you let one of them cuss me or their mama, I'm going to knock them out. I'm just telling you, I love my kids. But I will backhand a child very quickly. I'm t- that's one thing I cannot stand is disrespect from a child. Amen. Friends, you, you don't have to be the most educated person. You don't have to be the most wealthy. But everybody can be respectful. Amen. And that is something that God has... Uh, he holds it at a high standard. That, that disrespect, that disobedience there. Friends, that, that's something that God looks at. And it's not something He takes lightly. He talks about that command in verses one and uh, in verse one. He talks about the conduct in verses two and three. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment, that it may be well with thee, that thou mayest live long on the earth. Friends, the word honor that is being used here, it is much more than just uh, it's much more than just a uh, um, simple obedience. The, the the word literally means uh, uh, to live and to, uh, to show respect, uh, to live and to take care of them as, as long as is needed, to be by their side for as long as needed. It means to have a desire to bring honor unto your family in the way you live. When a child is young, they obey out of fear. Okay, They know, okay, if I step out of line, I'm going to get in trouble. As we begin to mature and we begin to get older, we obey for the sake of honor. We do that because we want to do our parents right. We want to do our family proud. We want to do our name proud. That, that type of discipline does not happen overnight and it doesn't happen to somebody that the, the, the biblical model of discipline is not started with young. That, that desire there that we are to honor our parents, our friends, I would, I, I, the last thing in the world I'd ever want to do is bring shame to the name of my mom and my dad. 
Are they perfect? No, not by any means. But that's my mom and that's my daddy. And I don't want anybody disrespecting them. I want them to be able to walk out into public and somebody say, oh, you're, you're so-and-so's parents. And I want them to be able to, to hold their head up high with that. That's, that. that's something that's honoring there. Solomon said a good name is rather to be chosen than, uh, than great riches there. Friends, how, how much that should mean to us there that we uh, show that type of honor there. Not only that obedience that we're willing to serve, but that honor and that everything we do, we want them to be uh, looked at well. We want them to be able to walk with their head held high. We want them to be talked about good. That should be a desire for every one of us. Uh, I think about uh, some of the, the uh, dear senior saints that I've had time to spend with. And, and talk with some of them, and I ask them, at the, I've sat down in their homes, and, and you know, people that were, were well off, people that were not so well off, people that had much, people that didn't, and I asked them, you said, now that you're at this stage of life, what is really important to you? Do you know how many of them looked at me and said, all that stuff over there on the shelf, that's important to me? Not a single one. Every one of them said, what's important to me is my family. The time with my family, the greatest desire is that their family is serving the Lord. And living for God. Friends, that is the greatest inheritance that we can leave to somebody. And that is, a, it is commanded in the Word of God. There again, parents, we cannot expect our children to follow that, that biblical model if we ourselves are not following that biblical model. I can't expect my kids to hate alcohol and pornography and all the filth that goes on there if I'm partaking in it and saying, well, it's not that big a deal as long as nobody knows. I can't expect them to hold... I can't expect my children to be in the house of God and to count the house of God as important if I'm not faithful to the house of God. I can't expect my kids to love this Word of God if they don't see me love this Word of God. It's amazing how many folks today, they'll send their kids to Christian school, they'll send their kids to Sunday school, they'll send their kids to children's church, and they expect that Sunday school teacher, they expect that preacher, that youth pastor, to raise and instill in their children some kind of godly character when they don't see it at home. It's impossible. It does not work that way. It, it, the, again, no matter for good or for bad, your children look to you, you are their heroes for that time being, and they are looking at your example more than they're looking at mine. God help us. Again, that, that uh, we see the prerequisite there that it's right between mom and dad. We see the precaution there in that submission, that command that is given. And we see the conduct that is given. But I want you to notice last of all tonight, when we look at here what's being talked about, and he goes back to the parents. In verse number 4 there, we see the patience about that submission. This is again talking about that example uh, that's being pointed out there. He talks about that conduct. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. The word fathers. In the Greek there is the word papryas there. And what it is, it's used actually for both parents there. It's the same word that is used in Hebrews 11 and verse number 23. By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents. Alright? It is talking about again the father being the head of the household, the spiritual leader. But it's talking about the importance of the mother being able to be that example also. How much it's important that, God, that they see God in both the parents. That's why the Bible is so clear. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. I have had, I, I worked as a youth pastor for several years before I ever took a, 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 my first church there. And I remember looking at these young teenagers, good kids, 
kids that were saved there and you could almost watch it like clockwork these kids would go to school and they'd start dating there and they'd start dating someone that was not in church and was not saved there and it wasn't long before you saw the heart and the desire of that young person turned away why because it is easier to be pulled down than it is to lift someone up you cannot change someone. You can't force someone to change it. It is a miracle. Salvation's a miracle. It's the work of God there. It's the redemption of a soul. And that can't be done apart from God doing it. And we can't expect for someone that is saved not to be wrongly influenced by someone that is not. I've seen good people, good Christians, that started out very well. I know dear family members, dear friends of mine, they started out on fire for God and, and got yoked up with the wrong person. Were they, were they a bad person? Absolutely not. They weren't bad people. But they were unsaved. And those things didn't matter to them. And it wasn't long that I watched them get out of church. Get out of fellowship with God. It wasn't long before I watched these people become miserable. Friends, the Bible is very clear there uh, that, that, that we're that example. Father and mother being that example to our children. Making sure they see Christ in us. It says, provoke not your children to wrath there. What it means is don't discourage them. Don't be on them all the time. Don't be looking at all the faults and the failures that they have. Encourage your children. Are they going to make mistakes? Absolutely, they're kids. We have to think back when we were kids. Sometimes I, I feel bad, I'll get on to my kids. And I do it not because I'm, I'm angry with them or don't love them, but sometimes I have to remember, man, when I was that age, I was probably doing a whole lot worse. Yeah. I was probably messing up just as bad or worse. And I thank God for the fact that three out of the four of my children have accepted the Lord there. Obviously, Sammy being under a year. But three out of the four of my kids, I've, I've had the privilege of leading my two boys. Friends, I, I've got so much to be thankful for. And I need to encourage my boys. I need to encourage my daughter. I want them to see again. Uh, You've heard me say it before. If any of these young kids come up, I don't care if it's 30 minutes past the time we're supposed to leave. One of these kids comes up and says, Preacher, can can I sing a song? Absolutely. I want to encourage these kids to serve the Lord. We've got to do that. Provoke not your children to wrath. Don't put them down. The book of Colossians 3 and verse number 21 says, Lest they be discouraged. God help us. I, I tell you the saddest thing. I believe I've ever heard was a grown man looked at me and and this man lived a a rough life. He didn't go to church. I knew his daddy. And he looked, he said, if my daddy's going to heaven, I don't want to be there. What a, a, a terrible testimony. What a sad thing. Could you imagine being a parent that pushed your child from God instead of to him? That's a horrible thing to think about. Provoke not your children to wrath. Encourage them, build them up, lift them up. Be their biggest supporter. Be their biggest cheerleader. Be the one that stands beside them even when they've done wrong. Say, listen, you've done wrong. This isn't right, but I love you anyway. You're still my kid. I remember my mama. I I, I told you before. We weren't raised in church. My brother and I were rough. I'll never brag on sin. My brother and I were rough. We've been through a lot. And I remember my mama looking at me and saying the hardest thing she ever had to do was step back and watch me fall on my face. Not be that safety net. Was she there for me when I needed her? Yes. Was she perfect? No. But she loved me. She looked at me and she says, you're, you're dead wrong. I knew I was wrong. But I knew she loved me too. That does something for you. Encourage your kids. Build them up there. Uh, strengthen them. I think about Timothy, uh, the one who later on became the, the pastor of the church of Ephesus. 
We read about Paul there. He said, I, I, I remember the, the, the influence, the, the, uh, uh, the, the foundation that thy grandmother Lois gave and thy mother Eunice gave, and I'm sure it's in thee. Friends, what, what a beautiful thing when we can pass that on to our children. When they get for the inheritance, they get from us as a godly inheritance. That's worth more than any amount of money you could ever leave your kids. That is worth more than any uh, trinket or any uh, family heirloom you could ever leave your kids is a godly influence. When your child, uh, when, when that child has grown there and hopefully uh, that child is old enough and walks by that coffin and sees their parent in there, they can say, my mama and my daddy is in heaven and one day I'll see him again. There's nothing better than that. Amen. There's nothing better than that. Friends, the conduct, uh, provoke not your children to wrath, but notice last of all tonight, the care. It says, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Amen. This word speaks of two things when it talks about nurture and admonition. First of all, it speaks of development. The nurture there, again, that is that speaking of that spiritual, that emotional, that physical care that you give to your children. Being a parent, anybody that is a parent, you know it is a full-time job. None of us are perfect. Every one of us have our failures with it. I know I certainly have mine. But if, if all we do is provide for our children's physical needs, Amen. we fail them. If all we do is make sure they have food and clothes, we fail them. They need so much more than that. They need to be able to come to us with every problem that they have. They need to be, we need to have a relationship with our kids that they know we're going to be honest with them, but that they know if they get into a situation that's not the right one, that they run to us and not from us. That if they have a problem and they get into that situation, something they're going to make mistakes. They're kids. They do that. But instead, when they do make that mistake, instead of running and hiding it from us, they run to us. And they look to us for help. You realize today, just in the public schools. You've heard me say this before. It is illegal for a school nurse to give your child an aspirin. But a guidance counselor can take your child and can schedule an abortion and not tell you about it. And that's perfectly legal. God forbid, God forbid, any one of our children get into a place where they are in a relationship like that outside of marriage. But if they do, if something like that happens, I would much rather my kids come to me Amen. than run to somebody else and, and have the guilt of that on them. I would much rather them get it right, them confess it and get that thing right, and, and God forbid something like that were to happen, them keep that child than for them to go on and, and murder that baby and live with the regret of that. Amen. Friends, if we don't bring them up in nurture, if they don't realize that we love them unconditionally, they won't come to us when those problems are there. The teenagers in this church, if anybody ever wonders why we invest so much in there, because I want those teenagers and our young kids, even if they're not my kids, I want those kids when they get older, if they have a problem, to come to me and not run from me. I want them to be able to say, my pastor loves me enough that even if I'm wrong, he'll still help me. Not that I'll say, hey, it's okay, don't worry about it. I'm going to be honest with them. But I want them to be able to come to me and not go away from me. I want them to be able to come to get help from the house of God and from God's people instead of trying to get it from the world. That won't happen if we don't nurture our kids. 
bring them up in the nurture, not only the development, but it talks about that discipline and admonition of the Lord. Friends, I could, I could quote you verse after verse after verse after verse that shows you that this Bible says very clearly, if we don't discipline our children, we don't love them. It is of the utmost importance that we not only discipline them, and we do it, but we do it rightly. The right attitude there. When we have to discipline our children, we don't go and lash out in wrath and in anger and fly off the handle. But that we do it there with a loving desire that they understand why they're being disciplined. That they understand why they have to be corrected. Friends, there is none of us. If you're saved today, there's not a single one of us that has not had the chastening hand of God. There's not one of us. That song, uh, when it talks about prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. That's that human nature in us. By ourselves, many times, we'll drift off from God. That's why He has to pull us back. That's why He has to keep us close. That's why that shepherd's, uh, 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 that shepherd's ca- uh, cross uh, that He carried, that shepherd's staff that He carried there, it had the hook on one end and it had this, the rod on the other. That rod was to drive away predators, but it was also to correct that wayward lamb there. Friends, do you realize a shepherd... If that lamb continued to stray off there, what that shepherd would do, if that rod didn't work and that hook didn't work, that shepherd would go there and would break the leg of that lamb. You'd say, preacher, why would he do that? Because after he broke that leg, he would take it and he would bind it up and he would pick that lamb up and carry it on his own shoulders. Afterward, that lamb would realize not to walk off anymore. God has to discipline us sometimes to teach us not to stray off. To teach us to stick by Him. To teach us not to go to the world for help. To teach us to lean on Him. And that same model goes into the home today. That we have to discipline our children. The Bible says again, that if you don't chastise your children, you literally hate them. You think about the problems throughout Scripture that have been caused in a home when a child was not disciplined. The example that we looked at this morning, David and Absalom. Absalom was, was very uh, handsome and, and the, the Bible says it was a, a very uh, a beautiful countenance to look upon, intelligent man. Da- it was David's desire that Absalom was to take the throne after him. But his heart wasn't right. This is the one that rebelled against David and tried to take the kingdom. This is the one that literally ran his daddy off the throne and, and had to be killed to stop the rebellion, friends. Uh, it talks about the failure of not disciplining that child. We look at Eli and his, his two sons there. Those two sons that were priests there, they, they uh, run rampant there. The sin was open and everybody knew about it. And Eli didn't deal with it. Friends, not only did it cost Eli's life, not only did it cost those boys their lives, but it ended up costing the nation of Israel their freedom. They lost that Ark of the Covenant. The Philistines took that thing and there was captivity that was brought. Friends, I'm telling you, we need that discipline tonight. Amen. We look today and we are starting to see the effects. When we look out on society, we're starting to see the effects of a generation that has not been disciplined. You hear psychiatrists that get up there and say, oh, it is wrong to to spank your child. (laughs) Friends, let me tell you something. Until you can disprove the Word of God, there's no book that comes anywhere close to I don't care how many degrees you have. God's Word is the final authority in all things. 
And that, that, that word tells us that discipline is needed. We are seeing a generation now that you cannot disagree with these kids. They can't have an intelligent argument without having a meltdown or rioting and destroying things. Why? Because they've never been told no before. You know what those riots are that you see from, the, from the, uh, this generation? That's a grown-up temper tantrum. That's what that is. That's someone who's never been snatched up and had their rear end wore out. Uh, you've heard me... I, I, I'll close with this. I, I, we were in... Uh, you've heard me, several of you have heard me use this illustration before. I was in the grocery store. I will never forget it. I was in the, the center aisle. And you know they have the two long aisles that go the, the whole length of the store. And I could hear a child screaming and fighting and yelling and kicking at, at, at a mom there. And I looked up, I'll never forget it, at the end of that aisle, that woman was walking. And this, this was not a, a, a baby, this was not a three-year-old. This, was, this kid was eight, nine years old. And he was literally on his stomach, on the floor, holding on to his mom's leg, and she was pulling him behind the cart. I, it wasn't my place to say anything. But I thought, man, if that was one of mine and they embarrassed me like that, I would wear them out. They got, I, I got to the, the front of the line there to check out, and this woman was in front of me. That kid, literally, eight or nine years old, was sitting in that front, uh, front part of the cart where little babies are supposed to sit. This kid got up, turned around, stood up in that cart, and jumped right onto the groceries and just crushed everything. And that mama said, if you, if you calm down, if you'll be good, I'll buy you a candy bar. My anger went from that kid to that mama because I said, that's the problem right there. That woman needs to be whooped. Friends, why would you ever, ever leave your child to do something like that? Why would you ever not correct your child uh, to, to allow them to act that way? What an embarrassment and a shame that would be. Again, I'm not talking... I, I love my kids with all my heart. Every one of them. But I will discipline every one of those kids. But afterward, they know. They'll come to me and they'll hug on me. They know Daddy loves them. And they know I would do anything in the world for them. But they also know that when I say something, I mean it. Friends, my Daddy... I, I look at him today, my mama. You know, I, I'm, I'm grown. They don't, they don't whoop me. They don't ground me. But I live such a way that I want to respect them because they're my parents. Amen. Friends, Paul talks about the, the devoted labor of the Christian life. And he starts first and foremost with the home. Husbands, Amen. love your wives even as Christ so loved the church and gave himself for. Wives, submit yourselves un, unto your husbands as unto the Lord. That's step one. Parents, raise your children up. Let them see an example in you that the children would willingly follow. That's step two. Then, when they mature, they will turn around and give that respect to you. Friends, that's a biblical model. God help us not to think we can do any better than what God has laid out. God help us to put that work into our family. Not let a TV raise them or a phone raise them, but make sure we are active in their lives. Make sure we are active in their spiritual development. They need that today. Let's all stand heads bowed and eyes closed.